Today is a reflection on Pentecost Sunday. The first reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, the responsorial psalm taken from Psalm 104, second reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and the gospel from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. To understand Pentecost, context is important. We begin with the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the evening in unity and love with God. However, after being seduced by the serpent to disobey a direct command, that unity and love were shattered, and our first parents were excluded from paradise. What was at the heart of original sin? Pride. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they wanted to be like God without God to not just discern good from evil, but to be the sole arbiters of truth. There were four fractures as a consequence of the original sin. First, there is the interior rupture between body and soul, because now Adam and Eve cannot look at each other's bodies without the shame that comes from the disorder of lust. They sow fig trees together to cover themselves. Second, there is a rupture in their relationship with God, who they now see as a harsh judge and hide from because of fear. Rather than turning to God for mercy and being reconciled, they experience separation. We have been hiding from God ever since. Third, there is a rupture in the relationship between man and woman, as Adam blames his wife. Fourth, there is a rupture between humanity and the created world, as the ground is cursed and Adam must toil by the sweat of his brow to receive its fruit. From the fall, sin quickly escalates so much, God had to start creation again with Noah and his family. But the results were the same, as humanity continued to fracture in these four ways, culminating in the Tower of Babel, where the original sin of pride is repeated. Like Adam and Eve, mankind wanted to be God without God, by building a monument to themselves that would pierce heaven. Quote, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. End of quote. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. God, in response, confuses their language and scatters the people. Ironically, the term Babylon, from which the word Babel derives, means gate of God and resembles the Hebrew word for he confused. With further irony, God makes Abraham's name great in Genesis chapter 12 because he, in humility, heeds the voice calling him to leave his pagan surroundings and follow in obedience. He indeed enters the gate of God. But the pattern of the fall continues throughout the rest of the Old Testament with its consequences of separation and disunity. So, for example, the nation of Israel is fractured with the northern ten tribes after the devastating conquest by Assyria being scattered to the winds, and the southern two tribes captured by Babylon, and then toward the end of the Old Testament and beginning of the New Testament, under the thumb of the Roman Empire. Into this mess comes Jesus Christ to restore mankind in his communion with God. He first chooses twelve apostles representing the twelve tribes of Israel, and teaches them the new law of love, with the Sermon on the Mount and Beatitudes. But it is by his example of being lifted up on the cross that Jesus will draw all people to himself. 
other significant foundations had already been put in place. For example, the building of the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church on Peter, and the institution of the Eucharist, whereby all will be invited to commune with Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. In today's Gospel, another foundation is laid with the resurrected Christ instituting the Sacrament of Reconciliation, by which sins are forgiven and communion restored. This important sacrament helps to heal the rupture of humanity with God, which began with the fall. Sinners do not have to fear approaching the Father whose mercy is infinite. Notice in today's Gospel that Jesus breathes on the Apostles in anticipation of Pentecost. Throughout his ministry, Jesus and the Holy Spirit have been working in concert to restore humanity and here the same spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1, bringing order out of chaos, establishes a new creation through the church and her sacraments. Jesus says to his apostles, Peace be with you, which means not just a worldly cessation of violence, but a supernatural peace which comes from a right relationship restored with God. This takes place on the first day of the week, the day of Jesus' resurrection, which will be for Christians thereafter a day of rest, worship, and communion. This brings us to the actual Feast of Pentecost in the first reading from Acts chapter 2. Pentecost was, in the Old Testament, a Jewish feast of thanksgiving for the harvest, celebrated fifty days after Passover. It also became a commemoration of Israel's arrival at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, and God descending from heaven to give Israel the old law. This was an important step in bringing Israel out of ignorance caused by the original sin and into a knowledge of God's will and what constituted sin. But it was powerless to heal the fractures. As the giving of the old law took place in a great theophany of fire on Mount Sinai, tongues of fire come down on the apostles gathered in the upper room to confer the new law of the Spirit, now written not on stone tablets, but in their hearts. This new law of grace is powerful to forgive sins and justify us in a right relationship with God. Thus the Church, through the Holy Spirit, would thereafter, in thanksgiving, gather a harvest of souls through preaching the good news of a new covenant in the blood of Christ. Tongues of fire furthermore denote the many languages now spoken by the Church in its universal mission of salvation and commonly understood by all people who are given the name of all names, that is, Christian. In Saturday's Catechesis, mention was made of the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit conferred in baptism and deepened in confirmation to help us grow in holiness and attain heaven. These gifts also help restore the internal unity of body and soul so ruptured by the original sin, so that our passions are integrated under the rule of our restored intellect and will. This brings us to today's second reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where the charisms of the Holy Spirit are highlighted. Notice that unlike the sevenfold gifts, these charisms are not specifically for the person receiving them, but rather for the common good. They help heal the fractures in human relationships caused by the fall and our actual sins by inspiring us to reach out to our neighbor 
and minister to their hurts and needs. They also enable us to use our special talents to bring healing to creation, especially the environment, which is still groaning under the curse of original sin. As today's psalmist prays, quote, Lord, send forth your spirit and renew the face of the earth. There are several lists of these charismatic gifts mentioned in other books of the New Testament, and they include the following. Administration, celibacy, craftsmanship, discernment of spirits, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, intercessory prayer, knowledge, leadership, mercy, missionary, music, pastoring, prophecy, service, teaching, voluntary poverty, wisdom, and writing. These gifts inspire Christians to be powerful channels of God's love, bringing unity to a still fractured world. Each baptized person has been blessed with one or more of these charisms that must be given away in service. What activates them is a living, dynamic faith nourished by prayer. This brings us to our final point of how important prayer is at the heart of Pentecost. It began with Jesus in the upper room on Holy Thursday, interceding with his high priestly prayer for unity. Quote, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. End of quote. John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. When the disciples are gathered with the mother of God in the upper room just before Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, tells us that they were devoted to prayer. Only then was a series of events unleashed that reversed the Tower of Babel and gave birth to the church. This is an important point that must not be underestimated. When we gather in prayer, the Holy Spirit is with us. Today, because of the pandemic and social distancing, this gathering is not physically possible. Nevertheless, when we pray individually, the same Holy Spirit that dwells within each baptized person brings us together in mind and heart, and power is unleashed to continue the Pentecost in gathering. Since we through our baptism share a common priesthood, we have the dignity of joining Jesus Christ in his continued high priestly intercession to bring those still scattered into the unity of faith. Hence, prayer is absolutely vital. Let us conclude with the opening prayer of today's solemnity. O God, who by the mystery of today's great feast sanctify your whole church in every people and nation, pour out, we pray, the gifts of the Holy Spirit across the face of the earth, and with the divine grace that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, fill now once more the hearts of believers. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.